2: Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra. I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined by Aaron Vay in Whitby, Ontario. Hello there. And I'm also joined by Jaime Lopez in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And Mark today is MIA. He's stuck at the office.
1: Poor guy. That means we get to rant about the App Store. Well, that's kind of too bad because <laughs> uh, after listening to last week's show, I was I was wondering if we should uh, pin him down a little more. The thing I was thinking about was when uh, we were going on about how Apple mistreats developers, and yeah, um, Mark was really uh, he was really much more in support of Apple than yeah. I. Yeah, I don't know if he intended to be in so much as as he came across at least.
2: Well, I think he was sort of saying that that, in his opinion, we shouldn't we shouldn't be attacking, biting the hand that feeds us, as it were, right? Um, yeah, those aren't the words
1: he used. Like he was more like, you know what, this is Apple. If you don't like it, sucks so yeah, to go be somewhere you. else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I thought, you know, like really, you feel that way? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yes, yes, apparently he does. Um, so, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't. Did did you guys get that sense? To a certain extent, yeah.
2: He he. I think he's. Uh, I don't know if he's saying the highway. I think he's just sort of saying that's, that's business and, and, you know, um, you know, if, if you don't want to play with the game, then don't play the game, mm-hmm. kind of sort of what he was saying. I mean, yeah. you know, but that said, I mean, I can't tell you the number of podcasts I've listened to this week that all said the same thing that we've been saying, and that is that not so much that I, I don't think Apple goes out of the way to mistreat us. They probably, it's probably like we're, they're like the absentee parent, you know? Yeah. They kind of do their thing, you know. We we we're given a little latch key. We get to come and go as we please, you know. There's there's some food in the fridge if you want to help yourself, you know, kind of thing. But they don't go out of their way to come over and you know to reassure you and give you the pats on the back and say,
1: "Hey, Aaron, is there something we can do to help you?" Well, you, you know wrap, what? I think you know? it's 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 colder than that, though, isn't it? I mean, no, this is like, um, you know, you're you're a mouse in the house. And, yes. Oh, yes. You know, there there are some mice that are beneficial for example. Um yeah. I don't actually can't think. That's where the metaphor breaks down. But <laughs> where <laughs> there uh, they, they don't some care so mice. much. Yeah, well, yeah. maybe, maybe it's, uh, it's pests, you know? so or like bacteria. There's beneficial bacteria and then the rest of us. Okay, that's not bad. I was kind of groping for, you know, like in, in the house, sometimes you come across a spider in an out-of-the-way yeah. corner that you let live because you know because it's killing it other mosquitoes. things. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah there, are, there are certain pests that maybe you're not crazy about them, but you can at least recognize that they're doing you yeah. some benefit. And I think, yeah. I think that's what we are to Apple.
2: Mm. yeah mm-hmm. and, and and to take to take Jaime's sort of analogy from last week that you know we're all we're all like you know slogging up this you know uh, rain soaked mud soaked hill covered in mud and muck and <laughs> you know try trying to get that little piece of gold out of the out of the stream you know uh-huh. that's full of feces and and urine and whatever and and you know and we're all competing for that same thing and and you know we're like apple should be you know lending us a hand or you know giving us a shower every now and then or whatever you know like to help us out right i don't know apple don't care well no i mean like again but like think of think of it from a business perspective and that's maybe where mark was going last week is that you know do do they really have to care i mean they're they're so big at their market is so big they're their main meat and potatoes part of their business is selling hardware, selling software, selling, you know, selling a, a device, you know, to umpteen million people, admittedly. They're not, they're not in the game to make software for people. They're not in the game to make, you know, drafts and, and uh, launcher and Angry Birds and Clash of Clans. Like, that just happens to be a... So, you know, it helps them sell phones, of course, Right. But that's not the main reason why they're they're doing this, and that's not the reason main reason main focus of their business, right?
1: Well, you know, I would say that actually, uh, it I agree with you on on the face that's not their yeah. main business, but they have a brand to maintain, and their brand yeah. is their business, and yeah, part yeah. of their brand is just you know they're the company that has their shit together, <laughs> and right yes. now they do not look like they have their shit together
2: at all. Oh yeah, yeah, like. In terms of you mean in terms of in terms uh, of all the things the back app store being broken yes. and not being able to search for apps yes. I saw something on iMore just yes. a few minutes ago about that all of that and uh, and um, what else and 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 the, the eight point oh one update the and and they just reversed the decision on draft state that that's I right yep. yeah yeah so three out of three right yep
1: uh, and and of course the way they treat developers. Right? Or yeah. Like Negle- I think it's more like the way they neglect development. No, it's not neglect. It's <laughs> it's actual overt mistreatment. Because they could sit down and make a policy and say that you can't do certain things with today extensions, right? They said we would prefer to waste someone's time than yeah. actually write something in a document that explains this clearly. Well, I don't understand. What's it, what's another interpretation of that?
2: Well, see, and this is you know people used to ask me like when I, I, I sort of harp on being a reseller, but that's an experience I have with them. You right? can't be tamed. I can't be tamed. No. So, but the one thing I used to tell people about Apple, pr- it, it was a privilege to sell Apple. That's how they see it. It's a privilege, right? And I, th- I think they probably see it's a privilege to be able to develop apps for for uh, iOS as well and Mac. From their perspective, you know we're a carbuncle on the side of their big, you know, giant train that's marching, you know, through the the highlands, as it were, you know. I, I really don't think they get up in the morning and, and and say that they're gonna mess with us, you know. I don't think that's their agenda. I think that they, they have a set of rules, like a very strict librarian kind of thing, no talking in, in the library kind of crap, you know. But I don't think I really don't think they get out I don't think they get up in the morning thinking, how can we make Aaron Bay's life horrible today? <laughs> you know? Well Okay. Can't even respond to that. <laughs> you remember back? You remember back in the early days when we started the podcast? You used to joke. We used to joke about whether Apple was listening, and you were the one that would harp up and say they definitely are not listening. Absolutely. Yeah, and and I mean, and again, I guess you're saying they're they're, they're not listening. They're, I mean, there's there a lot of people in the media are, you know, the uh, Marco Arametz the John Grubers, the you know the, the editors at Imore. Um, are posting stuff all the time about how the app store is broken, how the search is broken, and how you know other podcasts are saying the same sort of thing. And and I don't, Apple's not losing any sleep. You know,
1: it sure doesn't look that way.
2: No.
3: So how are you, Jaime? Good, good. No, I was just <laughs> listening to the great conversation. You know, so I, I think Daniel Pasco of uh, Black Pixel put it quite well at a, a keynote yeah. a couple of years ago, and I can't remember if it was at CocoConf for 360iDev. So if this doesn't sound familiar to you, um, then it probably was Cocoa Conf. But he mm-hmm. described it as Apple is sort of like the shepherd looking over all the sheep, right? Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. they care about you know the general health of the flock, but not any specific member of the flock. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, th- I think that I think that's more more akin to. To how Apple's relationship with the developers are. I, I, again, I don't think it, I didn't hear that before, so it probably was like you said, CocoConf. But yeah, I mean, they they know they have their familiar sheep. They you know they, we all look you know we all have four legs and a tail and, and whatever. They can they can probably recognize some of us by you know because you know how you have a you, I'm sure a shepherd can recognize a sheep. He has his favorite ones. He knows the ones that you know behave well, and there's you know the rest of us on the outskirts
1: wreaking havoc. You know, trying to break through the fence or whatever, right?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Even so, you know, I, I understand all of that. And I've, I've been, you know, watching Apple for mm-hmm. enough years to recognize all of those patterns. What I'm yeah. seeing here with this app review debacle, for want of a better term, is, is a step beyond, I think. Because mm-hmm. they really could, very simply, improve the overall health of the App Store ecosystem by having clear guidelines. And that's why they published them in the first place. So why not update those guidelines Rather than than waste a developer's time, and and furthermore, create this chilling effect that everyone's feeling right now. How is that good for the developer ecosystem? And, and assuming that Apple wants there to be a healthy ecosystem,
2: it's not ultimately. And again, you zeroed in on on, on I think the source of the problem, and that's the review team. I mean, I think that. There are obviously some. Pe- there are some processes in place that are letting apps go through, obviously, and then somebody's going back and going, "Hey, wait a minute!" But it's it's ironic that it's, it's the apps that they're featuring that they're going after after the fashion. You know, it's like there's there's some there's a higher level um, set of review people who have a higher standard or, or they're they're much more you know militant about the way that they they look at things. Um, you know the sort of the rule the rule uh, followers or whatever or makers, if you will, who are going through and picking these apps and saying, well, wait a minute, this feature on this particular app, which you know you must have, must be making them some money, is you know not playing by the, by what it, what they consider to be the rules and stepping on them. You know, like it's kind of like it's like, like they're like, hey, get that horse back in the barn for a minute. I want to check it's you know it's. Uh the way it's built, you know,
1: and it seems so. possible actually that the the app review team is getting mm-hmm. shot down a lot lately, aren't they? How do you mean? Like, well, I mean, we've seen reversals, haven't we? Like, yeah, like yeah. We yeah, we've counted actually, yeah. three, right? So, like the the panic one, the drafts four, one, yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's one the, the one that P-Calc. we actually talked about. Yeah, P thank you. Uh, we talked about these guys and. You know, for, for the bad decisions and the, the chilling effect and the we're going to test developers or waste their time rather than publish guidelines, these people have been getting their asses handed to them by people higher up in Apple. Clearly, right? I mean that's, that's all that we can observe from the outside. Because these de- decisions are being reversed, it seems clear that um, these calls that are being made, these terrible, terrible calls are getting overruled.
2: I, there definitely seems to be media backlash as having an effect on on those decisions. Some, like you said, somebody's PR is getting to somebody at a higher level, at a at a you know higher than higher than middle manager level, and going through and saying, "Hang on a second, let's reevaluate this, and maybe it's not as black and white as, as, as it was considered." Because I think what it is is there's there's sort of, sort of like there seems to be a, a first level tier of reviews that go through, and I think we've all experienced this. They seem to go through things really quickly. You know and um, you kind of get you kind of get rubber stamped if you will right and then there's another level of, of There seems to be a second level review team that goes back in after the fact that and and um, it overrules the, the the rubber stamping of the first and says well no hang on a second you this particular piece got missed or it could be that maybe they're not thinking about these things which again comes back to your point about apple not being very consistent these days you know um like the fact that these like Again, it's it's kind of and somebody sort of postulated. I think it was in a podcast I heard that maybe it's like you know Craig Federici's, uh team versus Phil Schiller's team kind of thing, where Federighi's given us all these cool frameworks to work with, and Phil Schiller's team, who are like I guess they're the governors
1: of what goes on, are coming back and saying no, no, no you can't do that. You know that was a, yeah. I mean, it's all a postulation. We have no idea, and but yeah. obviously we're seeing the signs. You speak of the second level review team. Well, there's yeah. a third level. And yes, either course. either that's within the review team itself, or it's executives from other parts of the company who are putting the hammer down on that crap.
2: So the, I think part of the part of the problem, and I think it's it's endemic in, in Apple's structure, is because they're a siloed organization. They seem, you know, the left hand certainly doesn't know what the right hand is doing for obvious reasons. And I know that because I listened to Don Melton's uh, talk from his keynote from this uh, North the other day. And he was going on about the one thing that drove him crazy about Apple. He loved working for Apple. He loved the sort of people he worked with and the decisions decisions that were made. And he loved being there during the, the great products that they created. The one thing that drove him crazy was the secrecy, right? And the fact that, that you know, you, you couldn't talk. You, you know, if you and I were working at Apple in different divisions, we couldn't have conversations about a lot of things, you know? Um, and I think that that may be sort of what we're seeing the ramifications of. Like, there, there's a level, you know, one one group of guys are saying one thing, and another group of guys are coming back and saying, no, 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 that's that's
3: wrong, you know. I mean, I think that's all good information. <laughs> 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 I mean, I don't, I really don't know what, what's Should happening Are we into but some I, Christmas carols, or what do you think? <laughs> I mean, I I definitely live in fear of what's going on um, after. You know, needing to get this latest version of the uh, oh, that's true, yes. offer up Speaking app of which, into the app store yeah. before they, they shut everything down for a week oh, and a half. Oh yeah, right, right, um, right. And and we do have a policy that we would prefer not to put something into the store without having enough time to do an emergency release in case right, we really right. missed something. Sure. Um, and yeah. seeing all of these apps that were getting rejected made uh made me wonder at least like oh are, are we gonna get extra scrutiny this time where maybe we've technically been violating something that we weren't aware of and mm, suddenly right. we can't get in the store or worse get pulled from the store
2: mm. yeah i know it's always it's always a uh nail-biting session trying to get things in before some sort of apple shutdown uh or some deadline you know especially if you're trying to get something out on time one of the interesting posts that uh, Jaime found was uh, related to something that Google put up about. And it's actually a pretty funny um, video that they put up about um, their iOS development team. But
3: yeah, so Google just recently came out with a new um, a new series of videos, where at least the start of a series of videos called Route or Root, depending where you're at, Route 85, mm-hmm. and they have an initial cute video where they're kind of describing what the whole Series of videos is going to be about, and they talk about the fact that you know when people think about Google, they think about Android, but quite honestly, yeah. Google puts out a lot of good stuff for iOS, both apps as well as open source tools, and that's what that series of videos is going to be about. It's going to be about saying, "Hey, look, we're we're more than just Android. We're also a, a pretty good citizen on iOS as well." Mm-hmm. So it'll be tips and tricks for I think using their their APIs, their SDKs, and, and then a couple other good things. So it, it, it's very positive. I think. It's not really counter to the idea of what they're trying to do with Android, right? I mean, I think yeah, yeah. kind of where uh, they're in the same situation. I think that like Microsoft is in where they kind of have to play in everybody else's backyards as well, even if they want to bring the party to theirs.
2: It's a good point you brought up at Microsoft. I was going to say the same thing in, in that um, when the Mac first came out, I mean, uh, Microsoft was a very big player on the Apple platform, and in fact, at that point in time, I think WordPerfect and Lotus One Two Three were the you know the word processor and spreadsheet of choice. And it, it wasn't until Microsoft actually did a whole lot of marketing that Word and Excel and PowerPoint became the things. And and they, I tell people all the time, they were initially released on Mac, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a fan of Google, i got to say. I mean, I, I like Google. I like their search engine. I use their tools. I use their analytics. I, use, I even use their, their uh, APIs in, in iOS to give me some, some numbers on how my apps are performing, right? Um, and... I am disappointed that they're they're sort of you know have this whole Android thing that they're that uh, is kind of taking trying to you know beat up Mac all the time and and I think people more than anything else make make the sort of you know the religious decision whether you go Android or you go Apple um, you know I, I remember reading a book a hundred years ago by Neil Stevenson called In the Beginning Was the Command Line and and he very aptly points out in uh, that book, and this, that book talks about operating systems and, it, and how the Apple operating system back in the day was hermetically sealed and Microsoft's operating system was, was a bicycle that they attached a motor to and called it a motorcycle or moped. And UnIX was a tank and it just drove on and on and on. And the, the, the one point that came out of all of those uh, three pieces of analogy is that all three of them are crap. Right. at the end of the day they're all you know they all have their their good and bad points you know but not, not any one of them is any better than the other and I think that's part of the sad part about Android versus iOS is that they have they have the reasons for being and people choose them for whatever reasons but I don't think it's a bad choice to go Android or, or iOS I would prefer people in iOS and I'm glad that Google does produce products for Apple I, I Again, I you know like anybody else, I missed the Google Maps on, on uh, iOS, right? Mm-hmm. That that was a good product, right? And I still I have it installed on my device. I'm sure you guys do
1: too, as well, right? Yeah, well, you know this, the feeling about Google is you know I'm really ambivalent about them, to be honest with you. Yeah, like, you know they've I use a lot of their products. Um, I like Google better than Microsoft, I'll have to say that. Uh, traditionally, <laughs> yeah. Um, I agree with that, too, although my feelings about Microsoft are becoming more ambivalent as the years go mm, on yeah. uh, because they're changing, too. Um, so I'm really hard-pressed to hate any company, of course. Sure. And, yeah. uh, but you know, Google's a big company, and they've got a lot of different moving parts, uh, much mm-hmm. more so even than Apple, I would say. Um, I think we can be more successful talking about Apple as a single kind of homogenous entity, um, even, you know, despite what we said earlier. But uh, Google is definitely kind of a hydra, and it's very difficult to pin down. So, you know, we love Google Search, for example, right? It's it's by far the most effective search engine for finding solutions to problems, you know, which is what I typically use it for. Yeah, of course. But... Android. I have no respect for Android as an operating <laughs> system. I'm sorry, but there it is. It's yeah. it's a rip-off of iOS from day 1. That's exactly what it was. Um, oh, sorry, not day 1. You know, day 1 it was a rip-off of BlackBerry and I was kind of okay with it. I didn't care. Yeah. But when it became a rip-off of iOS, I just lost all respect for it. And then Samsung, of course. Oh, god. Really I, know, I know. really I I'm not ambivalent about them at all. Um, yeah. they're terrible. But Google, you know, I think on the whole does a lot of great things Mm -hmm. and uh, they develop a lot of great iOS apps and they develop the search engine and they develop Chrome OS, which is something I'm very interested in as well. Mm -hmm. So you can't just put them in a bucket of hate, (laughs) hate here and love over here. That's not, it's not one or the other. Well so, I think
2: I think Google's Google's, you know, mantra or their their message statement of a, of do no evil, I mean well, it, BS. the <laughs> genesis of that idea came from is 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 good. I mean they do they do give back to society and you know they're they're working on the you know the uh, the self
1: driving cars which I know a lot of people don't care about, but I would love to sit in the back of a car and have it take <laughs> me somewhere, you know? <laughs> uh, I think that's a wonderful idea. The only problem is that it's coming it's becoming known that the self driving car is more more of a fantasy than a reality. Um, And it's much further away than anyone ever thought. Uh, That would be a separate discussion, though. But that came out, like, uh, about a month ago. Jaime, you you remember this? Uh, There was an article saying that um, for Google's self-driving cars to work, or any self-driving car, it needs incredibly detailed mapping. And Mm. the the cars are useless without it.
3: Yeah, it was uh a... but a pretty eye-opening article because all the press that you've seen is like, oh, man, we're like, you know, within the next five to 10 years away. And it turns out that the, the AI that they have isn't really as smart as you would like it to be to get from waypoint to waypoint without explicit instructions. And it requires a ton of infrastructure to get it to work, even in the best scenarios, much less some of the, some of the
1: nightmares that I've had to deal with as a driver. Exactly. Uh-huh. You can think about, like, all the scenarios that that you deal with in real life, and uh, turns out that Google's what Google has is just not ready and not even close. So it was really disappointing. To take it back, Route 85, or Route 85, depending on where you live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does that refer to, by the way? Uh, it's, it's a highway, a, obviously. I think
2: it's probably a highway. Maybe it's a highway along the... Mark would probably know, but I'll look it up. It's probably
1: a highway in, in the Mountain View. That... Okay, so, yeah, because they showed it in the video, right? Like, he was standing by a, a highway sign for 85. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so I don't know if it connects Mountain View to Cupertino, perhaps. Um, yeah,
2: no, I think, it's, I think it's a good thing that, that um, I mean, I'm happy to see that Google is, is thinking about, you know, promoting their iOS stuff or the fact that they're, they're in iOS.
1: It's all good. Yeah, I mean, it's not bad. It can't be bad. Nobody's complaining about that. In fact, that's exactly what Route 85 does. Uh, Mountain View and Cupertino are connected by 85. Now you know. So I guess maybe the final thing, while we're looking at the geography of it, is uh, I think
3: this will be a good series of videos. I've, I've even found myself watching the uh, material design videos that Google's been putting out since Google I.O., because mm. I think they're, they're pretty smart on that, and I'm, I'm definitely a big fan of the material design stuff really wish we had a little bit more something like that for ios we kind of get sort of vague instructions about you know delight and 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 surprise sort of thing and well i can see how material design might lead to a lot more of the things looking cookie cutter or the same on android at the very least it ends up with a very consistent level of quality which is what their their design goal is
1: and what they very badly need
3: Right, right. So in iOS, we've got a lot of really good design, but you, you really have to spend a lot of time and effort doing it because you don't really have a, a design framework to begin from. So
2: can you explain what the Myriad Material Design
3: part is about? So the basic idea is to have not a flat design per se. That's really a misnomer. It's more about having a layered design that mimics Mm. you know the real world yet isn't constrained by the real world so um, for example they give you elements that look like pieces of paper which is what's called material design right so it's it's like you have these cards on top of a a paper background and things have a, a z index a depth to them and they cast shadows to give you clues that hey this isn't a perfectly flat piece of ornamentation this is actually a button that you're supposed to use
2: Right. So, is this similar to what we're seeing in things like in in like the new inbox app and and uh, Google Drive and that kind of stuff? Is that?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Those yeah. kind of
2: that sort of look and feel that you sort of see from from the Google
3: apps. Mm-hmm. And it's something that that they've thought about to make extensible from tablets to smartphones to smartwatches with Android Wear.
2: Alrighty. Um, another subject that we've been talking about, I think, a bit on this show, and we've talked about it before, and that's. Um, The whole review process and and how Apple is getting, uh, uh, having customers uh, review apps, and in fact how customers decide which apps they're going to get. You know, in in as much as I said before, or the whole review process, whether it's you know as for a, a consultant or an app or whatever, seems to be flawed. You don't get as many people writing reviews as you'd like. And there was a couple of posts by I think one that sparked a conversation earlier was about from um, Marco Armit of Overcast talking about how how he asks for app reviews and um, I think
3: yeah so Marco makes a reference to another article that we can we can talk about uh, mm-hmm. on how Circa News does its um, prompting of a user to review the app.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, in this particular bit from Marco, he talks about how his Overcast um, Podcatcher app does right. it and it's it's pretty subtle right it's on the setting screen and it's like way down at the bottom i think and it just says, hey please rate overcast and it's right next to a send feedback um right, button. yeah yeah and it shows you a, a little bit of information like how many people have rated this version mm-hmm. um to try to you know encourage people in with a very soft sell idea of rating the app mm-hmm. um and so i guess my opinion on this one is like <laughs> to take an ATP, uh, accidental tech podcast thing, is like, that's great for Marco. <laughs> 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 that works uh-huh. for Marco, right?
1: <laughs> um, woo Ring the bell. I love that. <laughs> <Ding>. <laughs> Thank and, you. And the reason I say that
3: is like, I, I think Marco's totally right for his particular situation. He doesn't have to do the hard sell. He's got... A built-in audience of people, and and to be fair, he does have some detractors—people who will negatively rate the app purely because of, you know, his own personality and and, and they don't like him. He's um, a divisive character. But, and, but there are also plenty of people who who really like him personally and will rate him positively for that. Um, and in this case, it, it it works because it, you know, one of the things that he's all about is not being too pushy, not being too spammy, and. I think that's great um, as somebody who uses a ton of apps. And I personally don't like getting asked every five seconds, uh, even if it's not, you know, the same app asking me every five seconds. But when you have 200 apps on your phone, you know, once a month becomes a huge deal. That's multiple per day that I'm being asked. So mm-hmm. I totally get that uh, as a user, But as a developer or as somebody who's, you know, business is, is based on that. It's, it's problematic because you kind of have to ask aggressively for reviews because that's what works. And the app store's rating system kind of puts you in that corner, right? So you release a new version of the app and it suddenly looks like you don't have any stars. And that hurts right, your credibility, yeah. uh, you know, when users are looking in your app, say, oh, there's no no reviews, I'm not going to use this. If they're inclined to look at, you know, all versions, great. Right. But they've, they've made it more difficult than, say, Google Play, which no matter how many versions you puts out, shows your aggregate.
2: Oh, yeah, true. Yeah,
3: so it, so it actually makes it worse for you to, to put out apps on a regular basis because now you have to either be more spammy and start asking for app reviews or you have to just sort of take your lumps and hope that enough people give a rating and a good rating for you to continue to, to look good in the app store.
1: Well, what do you think, Jaime, of the attack uh, the that Circa News took? So there... Okay, so Marco, you know, and that's fine for Marco. Love it, but what he does is is put the request to review in the preference screen or the mm-hmm. settings screen. So you're not going to find it unless you're not really working with the app already anyway, and that's that's again fine for Marco. But what Circa News is saying is we're going to put uh, a motivation or a, a pointer to reviewing us right in line with your your news as you're reading it so it becomes a news item like other content that's legitimately in your app uh-huh. and so the idea being that you could sort of breeze by it but it doesn't it's not modal right it doesn't interrupt your flow what it does instead is uh, appear there kind of along with the other stuff that you're seeing um, so it's not its not going to interrupt you ideally but you'll see it and if you can make the, the decision at that point whether you're going to you know, engage with that or not Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've got two points about this, but I want to make that first point first, (laughs) uh, and kind of get your response to that. Like, do you think that's a legitimate way to go? Because personally, I think it looks, that's fantastic. It's a great idea. And I can Mm -hmm. see how I would employ that in my own apps.
3: So I'll I'll give it sort of a, a two pronged answer. So as a user, I absolutely love it because it, it's not in my face. Um, I'll notice it if I'm interested in looking at it and, I think it works really well to make it part of the sort of the native content. And I think it's very similar to my preference for what Facebook is doing with its mobile app install ads, where it looks like just another item on the timeline versus say like words with friends, where as soon as I make a a move, it says, oh, look, I'm going to take over your entire screen with this 30 second video. Right. Mm. Like that's very jarring, very disruptive. Yes. Yes. Um, so as a user I love this. I think it's great. It it doesn't bug me. I think philosophically it feels pretty good. As a developer I'm kind of wondering, well, okay, that's great. So how does this how does this convert? Does this does this meet that right balance of continuing to give you enough app reviews and enough positive reviews? For the same reasons of the app store.
1: Well, I guess that's that's what he's found though. Like the in the Circa article, that's what he's saying. Like their their uptake on positive reviews, uh, you know, spiked quite a bit um, after they implemented this.
2: So we have an activity feed in one of our apps, and we do some house ads and housekeeping in there. And uh, when I saw the Circa Circa example where it's an inline um, request for uh, for review, I sent that over to the client to have a look at. We took out the modal um, review piece in, our, in most of our apps um, because, you know, again, it's it's disruptive and we really weren't getting reviews anyway. And we went to, uh, there was, a, I think, a post or a couple of posts last year uh, about how to ask for reviews. And, and there was sort of a sort of software approach, and that was to actually put a message in the description on the iTunes uh, you know iTunes store so that you know either it's in the update message so that when people go to uh, hopefully update a, to a newer version of your app but it was a sort of a softer approach to ask for people and put it right on the what's new in this uh, app version screen and that thinking that that might solve the problem of not getting reviews for each version as, as Jaime was saying earlier but um, I do like the software approach, and, and I'm also testing the app AppTentive method, which is uh, similar to what Marco was talking about in in the beginning of the post, where you you have a, the rate me pops up, and it's and it's just basically is one one or two buttons that say do you love the app or or yes or no, and then and then you stream them one way or the other. And
1: so, like, I think that's that's the other uh, side of this issue too. Like, what how exactly are these things being implemented, right? Mm. So by saying do you like the app and hurting them one way or the other, depending on their answer, Um, that to me is sort of an ethical quandary that (laughs) I wonder, you know, how people feel about, you know, I can definitely understand as a developer, you want people not only to review you, but to only positively review you. So you only want them to, to give you a rating if they plan to give you a good one, right? Um, I wonder if that's ever going to backfire, you know, say, well, do you like the app? Yes. <laughs> then give us a rating. One yeah. star.
2: <laughs> so, so we met with, uh, Roby, um, I've forgotten his last name, but I'll put it in the show notes, uh, of Aptentive. Um, we spoke to him at 360 IDEV I dev and Mark and I, and I, and I, you know, I, I was interested in, in their concept of, but what their approach is, is to help you understand what your client is doing with your app, right? Um, because the app store is kind of a black box, you put your app in there, you know, you, you get you know twenty seven downloads a day or whatever you get, you have no idea what how many people are just installing that and then going what the heck, you know what is this app and then and leaving, and you don't know why they're leaving. So the whole concept behind streaming the people who don't have a favorable experience with your app is to is to ask them for feedback and and send them surveys and that kind of stuff. So that's sort of how the app attentive flow works and and like i said i'm trying it out in my most popular app because you know i'm just trying to see what people are doing with the app like should i spend any more time on it are people looking for new features i don't know right i've gotten a few emails over the years from people who've taken the time to write me an email directly but other than that i don't know I, i get you know downloads per you know x number of downloads per week but i don't know what people are doing with the app at the end of the day right
1: yeah, I can see. Like, I didn't know what Apptentive was until you started talking about it, so here I am looking at their website. Yeah. I can see that they provide this service that uh, that we're really missing when we go into the app store where we lose yeah. contact with our customers, right? Yeah. So yeah. being able to provide sort of a two-way communications channel makes a lot of sense. Um, I hope you can put Apptentive.com in the show notes so that I will, yeah. people can follow up. Um, the thing that worries me about a service like this, though, and I don't know if this is justified, maybe you can tell me, is... is being able to control exactly how that experience works because from what I can see, it's like they pop up a dialogue or, you know, like the, the whole inline thing that we're talking about doesn't seem to be one of the options that you can have in this thing. Um, and you know, I don't want to put a modal in front of my user period. Yeah, yeah,
2: you, you, and you you made me think about that too because that's exactly what it is. It is a modal bo- box that pops up, and it's yes or no. Do you, you know, there's no go away, bother me later, come back later kind of thing. It's yes or no, um, and and the verbiage and it, it's translated into umpteen languages. So you kind of sort of no want to go. You sort of want to go with the default uh, text because if you vary from the default text, they can't they can't localize the strings, right? Um, so that, so when you get the the AppTentive API, you put it into your app and and it has the whole all the strings uh, already localized in it, right? So, "Do you love name of app" sort of thing um, is is kind of what people see. And and it's not the same as as it doesn't look quite as as harsh as the 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 old rate me uh, thing. I've, I've built that class in a number of apps in the past. Where you get the three button one where it's you know yes, no, or or Well, never. There's, there's a
1: picture of it right here on AppTentive's homepage. <laughs> of, of the of the, the bad one or the good one? The bad one.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, what I understood about Apptentive, and that's why I said I didn't really get it when I first met them uh, a year a year and a half ago um, in Denver, was that um, they kind of sort of gave the impression that they were stepping in to do tech support with your clients. And we use we use a tool just as an aside here. We use a tool called OS Tickets, which is a PHP client. And we funnel our support questions to there, and uh, then we have a you know t- a couple of people who go in and, and answer tech support questions for you know well, I can't set up my account or can't connect with my partner, help me out or my calendar isn't syncing and all that kind of stuff, right? And I think that's kind of sort of what AppTentive will attempt to do, and they they you know they'll they'll in, they get in front of the customer. And I think, I believe it's a real person that actually is responding
1: to them through the API. Oh yeah, for sure. Like yeah. there, there's definitely like a developer side component to this where yeah. you are able to communicate with your customer right inside yeah. the app. Yeah. Yeah. And that and, part and, is very cool.
2: there are different levels of, of course, I'm on the free version. There are, um, higher levels of support, you know, I think for, for larger apps with bigger budgets, they can afford to have that kind of stuff and they, they may want to have it, you know, so it's sort of an out, it's sort of outsourcing your tech support, to to attentive in a sense, you know? Well,
1: it's it's the infrastructure for supporting yeah. your customers. You're still yeah. providing it. You know, they they have a free tier where you can yeah. actually c- talk to your customers. That's uh, what I'm that's what yeah. I'm trying out right now. I haven't, yeah. I haven't had it. I mean,
2: I put a couple of measurements in there. Like you know, in one one particular app, I have you create records, and you know, I just sort of put a hit counter. Let me know when somebody creates five records. If somebody create, takes the time to create five records, at least they know they're using the app, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, if they're using if they create one record, who cares, right? And, then, and you can also put in surveys, you know, to, that could pop up after X number of, of uh, times. And I think you, you do have control over when, and you can change this at any point in time because the API te- checks back to their server, how often the, the, the prompt comes up, you know. And you can say, like, once a week or once a month, you know, or, or once only ever, kind of thing, you know.
3: Or control once per version.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly.
3: Yeah, yeah. So I, I do have some familiarity with with Attentive and... Um, mm-hmm. Their uh, their their ratings piece is tunable, and they kind of describe this on their their homepage. But it does Mm -hmm. let you sort of for your own business pick and choose what are the best moments, like when is this user most likely to be happy? Yeah, yeah, right. So if you've got something (laughs) where you know, oh, you got your first like on you know on your photo, like that's a time you're probably the most happy. Um, Right. so so that's a good time to say, oh, well do you like, you know, insert my <laughs> app name here? Yes yeah. or no. And and if you say no, you, you go through the, the feedback part, which is, is kind of similar to uh, Zendesk. If people have ever used that, it gives sure, you a yeah. management console that says, mm-hmm. you know, here are all the tickets coming in from people. And and these people don't have to be registered users. They're you know, It does like a per device kind of thing. So if, if you've got a user who, you know, is having trouble logging in, for example, you could... Yeah. You know, work with your customer support team to figure out what it, what's the problem here and, and help them resolve that.
2: Yeah, and we, it, we, like I said before, we use the OS tickets thing, and we've changed our onboarding process as a result of of the kind of feedback we've gotten over the years. You know, with with our apps. So when you say you're familiar with AppTentive, have you used it before, or are you just familiar with the concept? I have used it before in a past life. Oh, really? And and what did you find about? It? Did it help get those kind of answers to you? Like I said, with my my app is so small, I don't get that much feedback really. You know, but. Yeah, what's I your think,
3: experience with it? I think in, in in this case, it really depends. it It can give you a lot of feedback if you're uh, a successful app. So mm-hmm. um, handling it as a single developer might be kind of difficult. Right. Um, it's, you know, more of a problem of scale there. But I, I do think it's it's pretty good at giving you the information that you're going to want. Um, you know, within the oh. app tentive sort of system itself. Sure. Right. And and the rating stuff. So, so back to to like Marco's post and Circa News's post, Um, like it really works. Like, I I think it really does, from my experience. Like, you will get more ratings and they will be, you know, more positive ratings in general. Um, If, If
2: you're being, if you're not being disruptive, you mean?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you if you carefully tune it, if you say, oh, every time they they start up the app or on oh, every okay. app foreground, uh, yeah. you're probably not going to have happy people. Right, right, right. Interesting.
2: Well, I can tell you, I've, I've got a couple of apps right now that I, I use almost every day, and I just, you know, one of them I just fired up while we were talking here, and it's it's blocky and and it's annoying. I mean, like if if the if the rate me thing popped up right now and and I really cared, I w- wouldn't give them a very good rating, you know. Well, as a bit of a follow up to what we've been talking about in the last couple of weeks, we've had some talk about um you know going for interviews and and you know getting challenged whether you or not you have a computer science degree and I stumbled across a a post today I think it was that um yeah it was written on the sixteenth yeah so yesterday um from Mashable about basically saying that a computer science degree may be a waste of your time and money um so
1: you guys have any thoughts on that or I, it's too bad didn't... that Mark's not here. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> of course he doesn't have a computer science degree. Only Jaime does. So, he well, he's, be... he's got a PhD though in engineering. Yeah, but <laughs> it's not not computer
2: science.
3: <laughs>
1: That's
3: true. <laughs> <laughs>
2: anyway. Well,
1: obviously, like everyone who listens to this show for any length of time knows that uh, that half of us don't have degrees in our right. in our field, right? Right, and that. Uh, and we also know a lot of people who don't have computer science degrees, or even if they do, that uh, it, it has a little bearing on the work that they're doing day to day nowadays, right?
2: Yeah, a lot of developers, so, a lot of developers, whether it's web or, or iOS or, or any kind of things that, that I've met
1: don't have are self taught, right? Right, self taught, yeah. and. Um, I think, I think we should let Jaime do most of the talking here because... Know, he, has he has a computer science degree? Because he has a computer science degree. Am I uniquely qualified to answer this and question? Yes, Is that what we're saying? uniquely. Yes, exactly. <laughs> because um, I, I think I have one of these um, sort of background regrets about not, not having a computer science degree because yeah. I can think of so many ways that it would help me um, or would have helped me in all the problems that I come across on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I suspect... But we'll never know for sure that people such as Jaime would would not have.
2: Well, let me interject something because because I, I had um, discovered uh, and I put it in my picks last week, but I didn't use it. Um, I was poking around with this, and, and since we started this conversation, and I am fascinated with math and science and, and algorithms and, and uh, probabilities and stuff like that, and, and that seems to be what what a lot of computer science. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jaime. Um, a lot of computer science is about and. Um, cause I asked one of, one of the guys at a meetup the other day, uh, last month, you know, what do you, what do you, if I want to learn about this stuff, what do I do? And he sort of he pointed me to a couple of books on algorithms and I discovered on iTunes University, there's a couple of courses, um, on algorithms specifically ones from 2011. The one I, when I started looking at it's from 2005, I'll put that in the show notes. And I actually watched the first hour or two of, of lectures and, I learned stuff, and it was, you know, I mean, I can't pretend to understand everything they were talking about, but I did learn, you know, the difference between an insert sort and a merge sort and how mm-hmm. you use those to, to go through a large chunk of data, right, and, and which ones are more efficient and which ones are least efficient, something I didn't know before I started. So just, just there are resources out there for those of us who... You can't for whatever reason go and get a computer science degree or don't want to and, and we'll talk about, a bit more about that in a few minutes now I'll hand
1: it back to Aaron who's chomping at the bit to say something <laughs> it's like you know me. <laughs> see, um, we we should hand it over to Jaime, but sorry, I'm so sorry, Jaime. I feel terrible about He'll this. He'll get his. He's already okay. got the computer science degree. He, yeah, he can, okay. he can wait. Well, see, that, the problem that I've come across is, you know, just like you, Tim, I've looked at those those courses yeah. and you know, seen the books, yeah. but it's so hard to kind of crack them because. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to learn that. Crap. Yeah, yeah, that is the you biggest know? challenge. that's what it comes down totally. to. Yep. Is that like what I need to learn is how to work a goddamn provisioning profile, yeah. or or figure out what's changed in core data, you know, to mm-hmm. keep up to date with all these APIs from Apple, and you know, with all my time spent doing that and and building my own apps, I don't have time to kind of go back and be all fundamental, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is which is too bad. And that I guess mm-hmm. that's what it comes bit down to is that I wish I already had that fundamental stuff. Right, right. Yes, yes, yes. Let's let Jaime talk here.
3: Yeah, wow. Okay, a huge topic (laughs) here. So so I I think it's somewhat follow-up to some statements I'd made before where I do think we have... We're doing a disservice as an industry by associating computer science degrees with programming jobs or software Mm -hmm. developer jobs because I think there's no good reason why we can't have theoretical mathematics and applied mathematics and, and the two are related, but they're not necessarily same. We have right. chemists in the sciences and we have chemical engineers in the engineering side and they, they're not considered inferior or superior to each other in any way, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we kind of need, we are to... talking about the big bang theory, right? Uh, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> uh, not quite, but, it, but it's, but it's it's kind of similar, right? Where yeah, depending on 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 what your needs are, um, will depend on 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 what you're going to want to do there. And I think this article is wow. I really don't like the I really don't like the title, but I'll come back to that one. But sure. the, but the basic concept makes a whole lot of sense to me. Where if you are specifically looking to do you know x kind of work, like. Being a software engineer, you want to go to a game studio and and make the next Mario. You want to go and uh, be a a full stack developer over at a startup, right? Doing, you know, Django and doing, you know, Node.js and all sorts of of cool, wonderful things. And you want to just go out and build stuff. I think the kind of things that they're talking about here, like Code Fellows and all these other um, sort of boot camp, you know, very, very similar to trade schools kind of Mm -hmm of environments are great for that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, uh, In in some respects, like getting a computer science degree because you wanna get into software development, if you're not doing the kind of software development that really makes use of that degree, it it might not be for you. I mean, kudos if you wanna go for the the academic side of it, uh, even if you wanna practically be a software developer professionally. Um, But it's gonna give you a lot of things that are great uh, in terms of you know learning how to learn and learning some of the in-depth pieces of the algorithms. But I don't work for Google's search indexing team, so I right. rarely have to dip into that part, right? There's, there's a lot mm-hmm. of stuff that's off the shelf that's just been wonderful since the 1980s that will do all sorts of things for you. Like say, this will sort this array using a particular kind of sort, unless it's greater than this number of items, in which case it switches to this other sorting method. Because that's better performance for that level, right? It's that's great. I understand that. Day to day, do I really need to know that? Probably not. I can run instruments on in Xcode and be like, "Oh, looks like this is terrible. Better go change the tuning on this." Right. Great. Right. Um, well, and
2: the reason why people are asking for computer science degrees first of all is because they don't know to ask for anything else, right? I mean, that's sort mm-hmm. of it's computer. It's computer. It's computer sciences. So therefore, maybe as an employer, that's the kind of nerd I need, right? Um, but and I'm not sure how it is in the States, but in Canada, we have universities and we have colleges. And generally speaking, universities are, are higher level educational places. And, and I've always sort of thought that, and, and I may be wrong about this, but my thought process on that is that you go to university to learn how to learn. You you pick a, a subject matter. Like, I, you know, Aaron, you studied English, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yep. Yeah, and I studied fine arts, and and yet you know, in order to get through the three or four years, you need to get your degree. We both would have, done, we would have both gone through the same motions. We would have gone to the library, we would have gone books, we would have written essays, we would have done assignments, we would have done practical things in class, um, and and the professor just stands at the front and says, "This is what I expect you to learn," and that's it. You just you go off and you figure it out on your own, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the skill you learn in in university. And colleges tend to be more applied in canada anyway um and you know you you go into you know architectural landscaping or you go into you know journalism or, or you go into some other field and they teach you the skills required to do the job at that point in time right mm-hmm. and you get those specific skills right and and you know n- not having gone to college myself i don't know if there if it's similar to university and that you you know you're there's there's is there more handholding or less handling? I don't know what the schools are like in the states, but I would assume that going to a university or a college, as you guys call them down there, right? Because you don't make a distinction between university and college in
3: the name of the name of an institution, right? Generally not. Uh, right. As an example, the university that I went to had a college of engineering. Right. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I, I think that, um, but, but. But that's the same sort of thing. You go there, you know, the, the, here's the required stuff you need to learn. I'm going to stand up here and do some lecturing, and you're going to learn stuff, right? Um, I'm going to give you some thoughts to think about for today, and then you're going to go off to your labs and do your assignments. And, and it's up to you, the student, to figure it all out, right? Which is the same thing as what we're all doing as developers. You know, we're... we're you know, Apple comes out with a new ta- new feature or something like that. Our employer wants to incorporate it into, into the app, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to go off and figure out how to make it work and bang our heads against Xcode and, you know, source kit crashing and all that other kind of stuff. You know, I think I heard somebody say the other day that we, we spend less time developing than we do fixing bugs. Um, but, you know, it's sort of learning the new framework and how does inter- how does it, you know, um uh, interface into my app and how do I call the methods and how do I, you know, what delegate protocols do I need to use and that kind of stuff. I mean, those are not those are the sort of the, the hooks of learning how to do iOS, but they're not necessarily, you know, and you may never get to a point where you need to do any kind of sorting, you know, for instance,
1: right? We sure talk about sorting a lot uh, when it comes to computer science, <laughs> but, you know, there really is I don't a lot know. more I, to yeah. it, I'm sure. Yeah, I hope um, there is. <laughs> I, I think there is. You know, like, I, I think about jobs, you know, and being in the market, I look at a lot of them where you can kind of distinguish between jobs that require a computer science background and those yeah. that don't. Yeah. Um. You know, there are certain tasks that I'm never going to be able to tackle because of my lack of comp sci back, you know, background. Sure. Like, I'm never going to write an operating system. I don't even know where to start. Right. I'm never going to write a programming language. I'm right. never, probably never going to write a framework. Right. Um. You know, and those things are they're the kind of skills that I think separate the wheat from the chaff in terms Mm. of developers, right? Mm. Uh, the people that, that build the tools that developers use to build the software. And I don't think we're ever going to be like you and I, Tim are never going to be that kind of person. Um, and I, I miss that about my, my own skill I, I kind of wish that I could do that. Um, but practically speaking, it's not coming, not going to happen. So, um, Jaime, mean, what did you want to say about the title of this article?
3: Um, well, the, the, the title is so, I mean, it's mashable. So it's very, you know, BuzzFeed or Upworthy kind of title. Like, warning, a computer science degree may be a waste of your time and money. It's like, well, very unlikely that that's the case. <laughs> right. Because right. even in the case where they talked about it, where it was like $100,000, it's like, yeah, but uh, you're going to be making that much or more per year. So you'll catch up pretty quick. Right, don't you mm-hmm. don't have to worry about that. Um, in terms of whether is it is it the best return on investment? Well, that's that's a totally different question. That's a much more nuanced question.
1: And that, that's why they can use the word "may" be a waste of your time. I'm, I'm surprised <laughs> they even
3: did that instead of yeah. saying it is a waste of your time, which is the yeah. more typical thing that that's going to get you on a top ten list, right? Exactly. And it's actual long form article here ish. That's uh, that's not a listicle, so kudos to them for that.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> we have all kinds of respect for these mashable guys. Yeah. Um,
3: <laughs> but while wow, bringing it back to, uh, the big bang theory from CBS. So there was a, a great scene. So these are all people who have, uh, PhDs in the case of Wolowitz, uh, a master's degree in engineering. Yeah. And they're in the car, car breaks down and Penny asks, Oh, do you guys understand how an, you know, how an engine works? They're, oh yeah. Yeah. Of course. Everybody's like, yeah, of course I understand how it works. Yeah, yeah. Can any of you fix this car? No. <laughs> I was like, well, great. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when I'm, uh, you know, when I've got a broken car, I don't go talk to a mechanical engineer, right? I go yeah. talk to a mechanic. Or, yeah, exactly. personally, I had some lights installed in my house and I didn't go get an electrical engineer and went and got an electrician. Like, this is all yeah. good work. This is, you know, the right, right level of skill that I needed.
2: Well, and it comes, I'm going to bring it right back to the very first episode to the first world and the third world problems. I mm-hmm. mean, like, you look at, Look at places like India or Cuba where when your car breaks down, you take it to a guy around the corner who, who has a little garage in an alleyway and he actually fabricates you a new carburetor, you know, whereas here in North America, you know, we, we basically go to the shelf and bring down a new carburetor and just slap it on there right? and send the old one back to India and, and Cuba. The practicality of getting the thing done is how do you get how do you get the, your, your problem solved and... Um, is whether it's building an app that you know flings birds across the screen and whatever. I mean, like, like the thing about it, like take Angry Birds for an example. We were, we were going to talk about them at one point, but we decided not to. But there's a perfect example built into the into iPhone and built into Cocoa 2D S, which is what it was really built in, and I think Box 2D is a physics engine, right? So the guys who actually created the original Angry Birds didn't have to write the physics engine. They just plugged it in. You know, mm-hmm. and then they they came up with a cool story. They did some nice artwork. They put some funky sounds in there. And next thing you know, bingo bango, they have a hit app. In fact, it was a. Flop.
1: Uh, let me ask you, Jaime. Um, you know, because I, I really liked your analogy of an electrical engineer versus an electrician. Right. Um, you you have the training of an electrical engineer, but are you working as an electrician today? I think I'd be working as like the closest analogy
3: would be like a master electrician, right? Like the. The, the the top level electrician you can be where you've you've not only been to the trade school but you've also um been certified it, maybe it's sort of like a like a cpa kind of thing right where mm-hmm. you're, you're not just mm. you know having graduated with the kind of degree you actually have met some higher bar but I, I would certainly say i'm not an electrical engineer level but not for the kind of work that i do and i'm very happy with the kind of work that i do yeah
2: you can screw the light bulb in but you can't make the light bulb
3: Right. <laughs>
2: at, least not, at least not without a, a whole lot of time and effort, for sure. There must be a joke in this. How many iOS developers does it take to screw in a light bulb?
1: You, know, you come up with an answer for that. No, um, I don't know. So I guess the, the bottom line here on this article, you know, is it a waste of time? Maybe. It depends. It depends.
2: Yeah, I think the answer is five. It's one and then four to argue about in a
1: podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or three, as the case is tonight. Uh, well, I think, you know, anyone who, you know... Um, let me let me try to make an analogy. Um, I think about you know the developers I've come across in my career, and there are many different types. And uh, I hope this doesn't sound uh, too stereotyped at all, or or uh, programmerist. But <laughs> I have run into programmers that are just in it because it's a job, right? And they have typically been uh, Microsoft developers. Mm-hmm. Can I say that without sounding like a, a bigot? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, think these... I, ha- I think I have to hit you with a trout, but you'll, I'll tell you why later. But I'll, okay. hit, you with, I'll hit you with a trout. <laughs> so the people who get their MCSEs um, that, that go to college and who learn to program um, and then get a day job working at a bank or something like that, mm-hmm. um, I don't see that they have a particular joy, a love of programming that I feel myself. Right. Yeah. And this kind of takes us away from the notion of whether you have to have a degree in computer science to be uh, a programmer. But, and I I think we can all agree by now that we don't, but um, I do see that there's a difference between people who become programmers come hell or high water, whether they take a computer science degree or just teach themselves and those who do it just because they think it's the thing that you should do and they will never teach themselves. They will never continue to grow their skills. Um, and whereas people who love to program will continue to strive to learn as much as they can to become closer to a computer science graduate than even perhaps someone who well,
2: is. I, I, I'm even going to take it a bit further. I'm going to remind you of a terminology you used in in, in an early episode too. You talked about it being a craft, right? Yeah. So you, yeah, you're, talking about, you're talking about you talking but you're talking about uh, some programmers are are craftspersons when it comes to building building apps. I mean, I feel that way. I love building apps. I mean, I love playing around with new stuff. You know, I get a, I see a tutorial or, or a library or something that does something cool. I kind of play with it, you know, um, whether it ends up in an app or not. You know, I just, I like the, and, and I can tell you when I see a, an app that's badly designed, got poor artwork and badly chosen fonts, it just, you know, it grinds my gears, you know. So... You, you want it like you know the, the apps that surprise and delight people. The Monument Valleys. I saw another one today that was um, it's called Bonza Word Puzzle, riddled with with in-app purchases. But but it uses that same sort of soft, gentle music that you have in in um, in uh, Monument Valley, and it's it's basically a crossword puzzle game, and you just you drag words around on the screen to to form uh, crosswords, right? Hmm. Um, but it's it's a nice little app, and and but but. Not so much that it's sophisticated in terms of how it works. I mean, I can totally see, you know, from having built apps like that before, I can see how they're they're kind of structured. But the nice music, the pleasing colors, you know, the the nicely chosen fonts and nicely designed tiles, it, it's a nice, it's an aesthetically pleasing app. It looks like it was put together by
1: craftspeople, not computer scientists. Right on. Yeah. Mm. No? Yeah. I, I, well said. I think that's that's kind of what it's like. And um, if you have a computer science degree and you feel that way, then I feel I have a better kinship towards you mm-hmm. than you know even the person who has a computer science degree and doesn't care about programming. We can do picks now, eh? We can do picks now. Yeah, I think that so. was a, that was yours was like a pick there. I'd like to yeah, Make sure I, you I, get a, a show notes uh, link for that. Sure. Uh,
2: yeah, I, I actually just, I just sort of stumbled across I, I'll, I'll talk about that one perhaps in my picks, but uh, let's go around the table as we normally do every week and see if we have any picks. I know, Aaron, you have a pick, and it's kind of
1: cool, so I thought I'd let you go first, as sure. I usually do right. anyway. Whatever. Yeah, it seems that way. Alphabetically, I guess, right? <laughs> i the one that goes <laughs> blah, 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 blah <laughs> before anyone else can. So the, this evening I was working on uh, getting my app working uh, with uh, provisioning profiles, mm-hmm. and... Uh, I had about 53 provisioning profile files sitting in my a folder on my Mac and I was trying to distinguish between them. And so I naturally tried to quick look them. I hit the space bar with the file selected and I got a big icon and the file name and that's it. Mm. Um, so I did a little Google search and came across, uh, Craig Hockenberry's provisioning project, which is a GitHub project link we'll put in the show notes mm-hmm. and it gives you a quick look plugin for provisioning profiles and... It is really nice. I mean, it's great. It gives you all kinds of information about provisioning profiles so that you can, um, you know, sort of figure out exactly what it is. Um, in this case, I'm looking at one right now as I'm talking to you. It tells you when it expires, um, gives you the profile type for, for Mac distribution or Mac development or iOS distribution or development, App Store, um, the devices that are provisioned for that. Yeah, that's the best the part right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is great and it includes links to the dev center for everything that you see here so that you can edit them. Um, so wow. you just hit the space bar. <laughs> it's fantastic.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I've had, I've had to, I, I actually, after I saw Aaron's post today on Twitter, I, I or tweet on Twitter, Twitter, I, um, I, I grabbed it and downloaded it and played around with it. And yeah, it's, it answers all the questions that I've always wanted to know about, about provisioning profiles. I, a couple of months ago, I had, uh, an issue with, um, push notifications. I had, uh, Somehow, accidentally created two push notification uh, certificates on on developer Center, and I couldn't tell which one was going to expire first. Like one was expiring in o- October, one was expiring in November. And if I had this tool back then, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure I could have you know gone through and and I actually did, you know, load them up in the terminal and try and try and you know read through the gobbledygook to try and figure out what they were, right. But this is this is great because I would have been able to see you know like, like I'm looking at one right now created 52 d- days ago expires in 262 days and it even tells me the date the name the date that it expires yep uh, tells me what app it was what app what team ID was used to make it it's it's this is
3: like solves a ton of problems you know slick as not that's really cool stuff that that'd be great if that was just built into the tools that we already have oh, right so if it's, it, wouldn't it maybe it's not part of you know the the, the finder. By default, but certainly this should be something that's built in, you know, that comes in with Xcode because it, it'd be wonderful.
2: Well, so so in this case here, it, it's actually a plugin that you. I mean, I downloaded the source code, but then Aaron pointed out the error of my ways, and I went back and found the, the downloadable uh, plugin um, version, and I and you stick it right into your into your own library uh, in Quick Look. And presto, change you, 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 re, you restart uh, Quick Look service, and then all of a sudden the service is available to you, right?
1: Yeah, so it's pretty I mean, Apple could make this for Xcode. Totally. But, um, totally. The fact that Quick Look is a plug plug-inable architecture uh, makes this possible, and uh, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. <laughs> it's all yeah. good. For mm-hmm. sure, for sure. Yeah. I mean, Apple's got enough to work on, I think we can all agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, work on in, in many ways, more than one.
2: Yeah. Um, Jaime, do you have a pick?
3: I do and uh full disclosure this is the company that I work for um okay. but this is yet another proud papa moment here so <laughs> I was going uh, I should have asked you if you had a proud papa moment instead of asking you if you had a pick yeah. <laughs> so this is uh, my pick which is the OfferUp app so mm-hmm. for those you know who don't know what OfferUp is it's um a mobile app that lets you very quickly buy and sell locally so it's right. very similar to, to like Craigslist, but way better if that helps you as for an analogy. Right. Mm-hmm. And the reason it's my pick of the week is, is kind of twofold. One is the fact that we recently put out an update that refreshes the design. So it's very, you know, familiar yet fresh. Everything's, you know, much, you know, crisper, cleaner, things are easier to read. We're getting a lot of really good feedback about it. Mm-hmm. And of course, given the time, right, where the holidays are coming up, you know, if you have white elephant gifts that you need to look for, if you're looking to, you know, make a little bit of extra money or you just really need to get rid of some of those gifts that weren't all that great, OfferUp is the place to do that. Right, right. And uh, as a little bonus, in the spirit of the holidays, we've also updated Android as well. So I didn't have anything to do with that. (laughs) (laughs) But I do know the person or people who did. So kudos to them for that, but I'm going to stake my claim on the iOS app, which looks way better than uh, it ever has, cool. without a doubt.
2: So let me awesome. ask. So let me ask you a question about this. So, so if I was to install that on my device right now, is there is there a community in in Toronto, for instance, is using
1: the app? <laughs> no, I'm just curious. Oh, yeah. that's
3: a good question. I I don't know off the top of my head.
2: Well, so, look in the
1: chat,
3: Jaime. Uh,
2: Item not available. Oh,
1: so right, right, do, I, do believe, oh.
3: I do believe we do not have official support at this time for canadian app store um we can add it to the list of things to do do that (laughs) but you know you can just simply change it to the american one and just i'm not sure what's close to toronto
1: (laughs) new (laughs) york boston (laughs) (laughs) tim it
3: sounds like you know you were talking about route 85 and everything you you could use offer up by here in the states
2: that's true. I could and sell and some could. things,
3: buy some things. You yeah, know.
2: Yeah. Oh, so it's not available in Canada.
3: Uh, no, yeah. no. Oh, interesting. interesting. My apologies to our Canadian listeners. It's being beta
2: that. tested in the United States. Is what you should have said.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, soft launched <laughs> in the in the United States before soft-launch, going matter, yeah. into the, the the burgeoning Canadian market for sure. <laughs> oh
1: my goodness.
2: Well, you know, lots of people soft launch soft launch in Canada. Obviously, OfferUp doesn't. But you know, what well, can you say? It's because so they can use the tool themselves. And a pet peeve of mine I, I posted on Twitter today I, I went to the top ten lists uh, uh, on the iTunes store today and I saw this this app and I thought oh cool what's this about I clicked on it it said not available in the Canadian app Store I'm looking in iTunes at a top 10 list and it says the, the top the number one thing number one app is not available in Canada just it, that's just weird yeah it's just it's just it's, it's it's totally like back to Apple dropping the ball again why well, I, I mean so obviously they don't have Uh, stats on what's top 10 in Canada? iTunes crowd, are you guys listening? I don't even I'm going to email them a link to our show Um, and then I'm going to give give Aaron their home phone number. Yeah, so okay, so my pick um, I was going to uh, I want to talk about a couple of books that I've been reading recently and um, one of them is a book called um, Contagious and it's written by a guy named Jonah Berger B-E-R-G-R I'll put a a link in the show notes um, and what it is is, uh, have you guys heard of a book called Made to Stick? About it's basically oh. how how um, some ideas are you know become popular and, and and get sticky with people like in terms of like they, they get popular and they, they grow. Well, uh, jo- Jonah Berger is the, is one of the interns that did the research for that book, and um, so he's he's written the book on Contagious. And Contagious is a book about how. Uh, concepts about how things become contagious, I think, and and I'm I'm sort of bringing this from a point of view of a business um, opportunity for Apple developers or app developers, is to think about how your apps are going to be used and what it is about different other successful success stories that made their apps popular and and, uh, stick. And another book that I'm actually currently reading right now is one called Hooked, and it's how to build um, experiences that hook people in. And there's the ethical side, uh, you know, of of creating um, what's the word I'm looking for? Addictions, right, to products. Um, but it's it's how do how do these products like how does Tinder become popular? How does Angry Birds become popular? You know, and and examines these concepts in in terms of how things uh, become popular. So I'll put those two bu- books in the uh, in the show notes, and that's, so that's Hooked by uh, Near. ei mean, say his last name. E y a l and contagious and they're both books that i've read in the last you know six months or so that um give me sort of some good ideas about how to basically make a product that's going to that's going to survive out there because we're not obviously getting as we talked about at the beginning of the show we're not getting help from from apple to do this um and uh, away we go and just to to follow up on what i was talking about before the uh the pics was bonza word puzzle which i I got a, a card at starbucks that's how i found this app um, and my wife likes doing crossword puzzles, so I downloaded it today and played played around with it. And you get probably ten puzzles in the starter pack, um, and and they kind of it starts off as sort of tutorial kind of experience. And as I said before, it's well designed and, and nice looking and happy music and things. Um, <clears throat> but you know that once you once you get past the starter level, it's it's you know. Uh, either earn a bunch of points to, to unlock a few levels or spend some money to unlock levels, you know? So again, it's riddled with, with, uh, in-app purchases. So, all right, well, so that's it for 2014. We're in the books. Um, but
1: for the rest of the year, if, uh, people wanted to find you, Aaron, how would they do that? They would go to Twitter at yeah. Aaron Vey, or my website, because I'm still looking for work. Innovative.com, I-N-N-O-V-E-G-H-T-I-V-E.com. com. Good.
2: And hi how could people find you? At a Dev with the Hair and
3: DevWithhear.com.
2: All right. And once again, I am Tim Mitra. I'm here in Toronto and I'm at T-I-M-M-I-T-R A on Twitter. And I'm also you can also find me on my website, it com. And you can also find out about the show itself on our show website uh, m t j c dot fm and uh, there's more information in the outro and we'll see you guys next year Merry Christmas, season's greetings, happy Hanukkah, happy new year, see you later, goodbye. Good night. Goodbye. Bye. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at ntjc.fm. There you can find a summary of show notes for each episode. We list links to the items we talk about and links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. It really helps Others find out about the show. You can follow us and retweet our tweets on Twitter. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at npjc underscore podcast. And if you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com. You can provide as little as a dollar per month. However, you're free to do as you please. Thanks again for listening.
3: That's true. The best way to make sure that something ends up into the show is to say, please don't put this in the show. <laughs> That's
1: exactly how it works. This You're is hungry. going to be edited out is the other alternative form of that. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Good Lord. <laughs> I, I actually find it even funnier when you yourself, Tim, say, oh yeah, I'm going to edit this out and then you don't edit it out. <laughs>
1: yeah